let's moderate right. some discussion here. Josh, Josh Zamora, what, which group were you in? And, and you know, let's pick, pick on someone from, from your group to, to kick sure. us off there. Yeah, so I was in with Alana and Jody and David, and uh, David was happily nominated because he was the last person to get off of mute um, to be our spokesperson for that. But have some really good dialogue about, um, you know, the challenges, the the leveraging of internal resources and, um, you know, talking about some best practices, some ideas, uh, something that really um resonated with me was building partnerships internally and making sure that you're understanding the value of your partners internally to get that leveraging. So partnerships before leveraging, um, I think Jody put it that way. So David, I don't want to steal all of your thunder, but you want to jump in here and give a little bit of a summary? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Um, thanks for volunteering me. I appreciate it. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it was, um, like you said, uh, you know, partnering before leveraging, understanding, you know, who does what within your organization, whether that's through a, a race chart, some other type of um, schematic or diagrams, basically keeping races in their places. Um, also taking a very, you know, customer advocacy focused position when you want to internalize with, or you want to work with um, other teams in the organization. You know, a lot of times the engineer is nose down in code, doesn't quite understand the pain points of the customer because they're so nose down the code, they're in their their own funnel. So being the advocate to bring those pain points and tell that narrative, I think is really helpful as well. Um, so we talked about that. We talked about, you know, um, leveraging your partnerships, you know, um, and then, you know, communicating via the uh, the proverbial fecal sandwich, as it's called, the, the bad news, good news, bad, or sorry, Good, bad, good, right? It's, I haven't had breakfast today, so I'm hungry. That's a that's a terrible analogy. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So a, a lot of good a lot of good points were brought up, and a lot of good food for thought. So I think really um, it was pretty consistent across the board and all the approaches that we're using, which is really good to see, given that we all work in different verticals. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting. There's a phrase I like to use, right? It's people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I think that actually does. Um, make a difference when you're trying to leverage someone like a salesperson, right? Do you care about their quota? Do you care about what they're trying to accomplish in terms of their goals? Do you really care about the fact that they've got, you know, this much of a target on their back? If you don't, then that's going to make it really, really difficult to build up that bridge and um, find some common ground to help the customer out. So uh, it's important that we actually are building those bridges across many different groups. So one of the other groups, uh, you guys want to summarize what you spoke about and maybe give some insights. I want to, I want to, volu- I want to volunteer Jeff to talk <laughs> about our, uh, group two. Uh, uh, happy, happy to, although there's probably better, better uh, people from our group to do it. But we, um, I think maybe the, the couple things that came out for us was um, uh, Katya had some great examples of just um, how do you, you know, how are we essentially bringing together information to help make some of those decisions easier in terms of like who to get involved and when. So, you know, she had some great examples of just um, pulling together some Google slide decks of, you know, Hey, here's the current situation. Here are the things that are happening. Um, and then trying to make sure you kind of pull the right people in. I think that uh, was something that we had talked about a lot is just the, you know, there's a lot of context that needs to happen in order to get kind of more people involved. And so how do you artfully think about pulling that together so that, you know, if I do need to go pull Josh into this conversation, Josh doesn't have to go searching every Salesforce record, every product or every account, every admin record, right? He actually has all that stuff um, readily available so that he can kind of quickly say, oh yeah, like I, I get an understanding, happy to do X or happy to do Y. 
Um, so I think that was maybe one big thing is we, we had talked about, um, and I might, um, might see if Katya can share uh, maybe like a uh, blanked out version of, of what she described because it sounded pretty awesome in terms of her uh, Google slide deck. So we might might get that one day. Yep, uh, I'd um, be happy to share it. Yeah, I think the other the other thing that um, we had talked about a little bit is um, what happens after these situations as well. So uh, a lot of times I think, you know, you, you hear the proverbial um, negative situations, right? We're always getting brought in because of an escalation. It's a support ticket. It's a, a renewal discussion. It's a contract negotiation, right? But um, also just trying to figure out like, uh, sure, those happen. We know they're that we know that they're there. But you know, when something good happens, like how do we start evangelizing that internally a lot, so that people don't always have like a kind of a negative reaction to a situation that we we might need to get more people involved with. So um, I threw out a couple of examples that we're doing just um, at, at Higher Logic. So we have a, a thread every week, and one of our one of the leaders on our customer experience leadership team essentially goes in and, and pulls out NPS and CSAT responses. We send over, we all just like forward emails that we get from customers, whatever's there. And we kind of put out a, a weekly thread that just has all the great things that happened that week, who was involved, what they did. Um, we just kind of do a synopsis every Friday as a way to try and just evangelize some of the situations so that um, our teams and the, you know people involved just start feeling a little bit more a little bit more appreciated maybe about the situations. Hey, thanks for getting involved in the escalation or, Hey, thanks for, for doing that. This is what happened, but you know, here's, you know, here's some great that came of it. So uh, those are two, two big things that we had talked about in ours, Josh. Yeah. And that's great. And I, I there's, there's two term, two other themes that are kind of uh, coming out of that. Right. So contextualization is, I think, one of the most understated and undervalued pieces of a customer success manager's job, right? You have to provide context for everybody that you're working with, whether it's the customer, whether it's an internal resource and, and a different team that you're working on. If you're not contextualizing, then you're not giving appropriate information. And I mentioned it during our breakout, right? If I'm being side, um, blindsided by an issue, then I can't help fix that problem. Right. I, I don't have the appropriate information to actually make something work. The second thing that I'm hearing is storytelling. Right. You have to be able to tell a good story about what happens, not just in the problem, but also in the solution. And if you're not good at telling stories, if you're not good at being able to 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 wordsmith your way through the goodness of what we're trying to do for customers, then uh, a lot of times you don't get the emotional like weight behind why it's important. So being able to contextualize and then build out a proper narrative of this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is why it's important to the customer and here's what you need to do. Then all the racy charts, all the, the centralized location and repository of data, all that stuff just becomes kind of meaningless. Uh, there's another phrase I like using, right? Data in itself is worthless unless you can tell a good story about it. So um, this is all part and partial to how to be a good customer success manager and then how to how to actually leverage those teams internally. Um, who's, the next, who's the next group on, on the list, James? What do we got? Maybe group three. Who was in group three? All right, who have we not heard from? I'm gonna uh, haven't heard from Mary, Courtney, Jessica. I think Courtney, we, Courtney, you're up. I think we were group three. Ben, Paul, Josh, does that sound right? Okay. Um, for full transparency's sake, we were very confused by the question. <laughs> and yeah, all right. The 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 two the the pronouns we didn't know what the subject verb and agreement was the direct object but um, we had a great conversation nonetheless um, and I think uh, one thing that Josh actually said in our group that uh, that I 
that applies to, I think, what the topic was supposed to be that was really good. And Josh, if I butcher it, please restate it for me. But he said, you know, I like to think we're a for-profit company. So our sales team is really the customer. My salesperson is really the customer. The end user, if I please the end user, that pleases my customer, the salesperson. But when he thinking through that perspective and that filter kind of helps him to, to deliver um, and prioritize accordingly. So Josh, if you want to add to that, but I, I think that was a really interesting lens to look through. It's like you got all thumbs up from Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. And, and actually that's a really good point, right? We, we have multiple customers. We certainly have the paying customers that are our end users, but then we also have internal investors in customer success, which is our sales teams, which is our product success teams, which is our um, engineering teams. And we have to please them just as much as we're pleasing our customers. So we we take a very unique role within an organization when customer success is done right. Um, oh, I like that, Katya. CSMing internal rela- relationships, that's absolutely right. We have to be um, the one-to-many ratio uh, both internal and external. And the more we're doing that, the better it is. And Josh, to, to a point, right? Like that goes back to something I said earlier, right? If the sales reps don't know that you care about their quota, if they don't know or understand how much value you're trying to bring to them, to them in the relationship, then they're not going to want to partner with you on anything. Um, and this is where you get that immediate sort of conflict, especially with sales reps. We were lucky to have Alana on our group because she's a former salesperson and she's slowly wiping off the residue of being a salesperson. Um, but she's she gave us a little bit of good insight into um, how that that partnership can work. And it's it's really good to see that, you know, if you're doing it right, you are qualifying leads for the sales reps to actually follow through. You're actually building out a good pipeline for them. And then that creates a really strong partnership internally um, on behalf of customers and prospects. I think think communication is really key there. I'll just say that um, because from a sales perspective, how like somebody in sales will look at the CS and sales uh, relationship is I'm providing value to you. Like I'm giving you customers so that you have a job and you can put food on your table. What are you doing for me? Like, what are you bringing back for me? Right. So if you educate them on what it is that you're doing and how you can provide value for them, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, Hey, I renewed this or I grew this account. It can be as simple as, Hey, I'd love to educate you on what's going on in these accounts or I'd love to educate you on how you can leverage our tool more. And this is something that you can then bring back to prospects and sell more um, or have bigger deals in your pipeline. So it's a two-way street. Um, and I think they kind of see it as a one-way street for now. So, yeah. Josh, you have your hand raised? Yeah, yeah. I wanted actually to, to add on. Um, uh, Alana was going exactly where I wanted uh, to add to, which is that there is this interplay between the hunter and the farmer, but that both have the goal of increasing revenue. And you're hoping that your organization is putting your customer success under the CRO rather than under support. So that way you can be going and playing the, um, the farming game um, using offense, uh, philosophies of offense rather than philosophies of defense. And when these things come together, you're able to go and build that additional uh, revenue. 
there's an analogy I like to use. I see your hand, Courtney. There's an analogy I like to use about um, everyone always talks about the quarterback in an account, right? And the sales reps always like, that's me. That's me. I'm the quarterback. Um, and, and I actually like to take it back a little bit, take it up a level. And it's actually, you're the offensive coordinator sales rep. You're the one that's going to build the plans for what's going to happen in the offensive side of the house. We're the defensive coordinator. We're going to make sure that you're not losing any money, that we're not losing any points. Um, and if, if you take it up a level and start talking about uh, coaching, coordinating, moving pieces around, um, it's not about necessarily being the person on the field making the calls. It's the person that's actually thinking about the strategy as a whole from both sides of the picture, from an offense and a defense perspective. So I just kind of want to buffalo my way in into this uh, this portion, if I may, um, which is that I think too often uh, we have, or I think historically as customer success, we're looking at it from that defense. The, the don't leave sure. me, don't churn. But in a lot of ways, we actually have our boots on the ground in a way that even uh, – in the, in the enterprise environments, we have um, our boots on the ground in some ways uh, with a level of detail that the salesperson may not have. And so our ability to go and understand and learn about other departments, et cetera, uh, can be information that we're bringing back to that yep. hunter to have them help us get into that next business unit, group, department, et cetera. And in that way, we're, we are collaborative in the offensive portion Oh, absolutely. There's there's definitely an interplay and an intermingling between both the offense and the defense on this. Um, I don't want to miss. So, Courtney, you had your hand raised and then Jessica. Yeah, I was just going to add to, I think, um, making sure all of the internal teams know, yes, we're, we're the advocate for the customer. But I always tell like my project management team and my delivery teams, I'm also your internal advocate, too. Um, and then creating opportunities to not just say that, but to show that. So if a customer is taking a really long time to get back to my project management office to schedule a meeting and it's pushing out a timeline for an onboarding or something, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to give the customer a call today. Don't worry about sending them the fourth email and just like advocating for them another level. And then going back to the salesperson and be like, hey, just so you know, the project manager is doing everything possible to get this call in the books. Your customer has gone a little dark. Um, we've left voicemails and stuff. And so just always making sure that the delivery side, the operation side knows that I don't just come to them when a customer is upset and ask them to work really hard to make them happy. I also go to them and say, Hey, I'm advocating for you when the customer is kind of dropping the ball. Cause you're not the one who's making this project slow down. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Jessica, you want to add, add something to this? Yeah. I really liked your on offensive defensive scenario there in the new, is it Wayne McCullough? Am I saying his last name right? Book he just came out with. He talks about um, how lots of times you get a lot of attention because someone will say, this is my account. I own this account. And really the way he was painting it, which I liked was nobody owns the account. You own this moment. And then the next moment your teammate owns it. And the next moment somebody else owns it, but nobody owns the account. So I really liked that. Yeah, it's a baton pass. And like if you, you ever done relay races in, in school or whatever, and there's there's a beauty, there's an art to that baton pass that if it's not done right, it's going to trip everybody up. 
right? But if it's done well, then it, it should be smooth. It should be almost invisible. Um, and and the, the baton doesn't know what's happening. They're just, uh, you know, to personify a baton. But the customer shouldn't know what's happening, that like there's some sort of weird complex transition happening behind the scenes. It should be fairly seamless and should be something fairly easy for the customer to just go like, oh yeah, I need to go talk to Josh for this. And I got to go talk to Jessica or Alana for this, right? There, there should be a good... Uh, delineation of, of services internally that is almost kind of invisible to the customer. Yeah. Um, also take the baton and talk about group one since I'm off mute. Um, so we talked about the, we we're more tactical really of like physically, how do we do this? So David talked a lot about, he's got a fancy Slack integration set up so that when um, a a kudos or review externally comes in that it automatically gets fed into a Slack channel specifically for client stories that goes out to everybody, which was nice. Um, we talked about either a daily ops or a jumpstart sort of huddle of either the whole company or um, targeted representatives of each group within the company and verbally sharing stories and things that are happening in, in news and kudos and just client interactions. Um, I think it was Mary was talking about, they have a gong. And so when um, something good happens, whether it's sales or service or client story, they send out an email saying gong, they say what happened that was good, then they actually physically go hit a gong. And um, that way, both internal and remote employees get to have the gong experience and that their HR person also sort of tracks those and seeing who's getting a lot of those and giving out additional kudos and gift certificates for things with gong. Um, and then I think at the end, there was another cool Slack integration with Google Forms where you can submit a kudo and give points, which I didn't say this to David, but it sort of sounded to me Harry Potter-esque that, you know, 10 points to Gryffindor. When someone does something good, you put it in the form. And then at the end of the quarter or the month, um, the person you'd given the kudos about the success of the client would get recognized. So there was a sort of mix of kudoing conversation as well as sharing client stories. But we we talked about different ways that these happen in our organizations. That's awesome. And we, we do too little celebrating of successes, I think, in general. So um, the more of that we can actually foster and build up internally for for not just customer success, but across the collaboration teams, uh, the better it's going to be for everyone. Ben, Benjamin, Ben, I don't know. Yeah, which one you go by. I go by Ben, but yeah, Hi. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear other teams talked about a little bit of the tactical, like how to actually do it, because Courtney and I talked a little bit about how um, she had a pretty cool process where they build presentation that's intended to be shared internally on the client side. So that way, cool. even though you have your one champion, other teams at the company can then go on to see the value as well of your product or service. And I thought that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Pile on. I was just going to pile onto that too. Um, one thing that we don't do that here currently at higher logic, but one thing we've done previously in some of the organizations I was in was um, having like a weekly presentation of like a spotlight customer. And it's not always your customer. It's the biggest or the small, you know, biggest, smallest pays us the most, whatever, but it's, you know, giving an opportunity to the CSM to kind of put together a one or two pager that gives them the insight, you know, and it kind of allows them to talk more uh, across the company to say, Hey, here's what's happening with this customer. Uh, here's what's going well. Here's what's not going well, but like just getting 
more stories like that, more customer examples out into our internal teams um, and kind of the spreading of information was really the goal. And it worked out really well. Uh, we made it really short, 15 minutes, like don't go spend a lot of time on it, but hey, come do a 15 minute presentation on a Friday. We'll all come um, invite the entire customer organization. So just another example there too. That's good. Hey, it's funny. So I worked for a smaller startup and trying to build out customer success within that organization was pretty tough. And we did not do enough of that highlighting of good customer stories, highlighting of good experiences with customer success. Um, the end result of that is really difficult to prove value of the customer success organization. And eventually a lot of, a lot of our team got cut because we weren't able to establish that attribution model of goodness that we can do within the accounts. Um, so that's something that I think that's a long tail sort of benefit of doing this sort of stuff. If you build that collaboration internally and you build out that that partnership with other resources and other teams, then it does help solidify the value of the customer success organization over time. Um, so little things, the minutia matters in the in the long, long term, in the big scheme of things. Um, the more of that stuff we do, the better. Anybody else want to add anything uh, to the conversation here? Well, I'll, I'll add something. So I was in the group with Jessica and um, David and Mary. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, and Susan. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one of the things that I was just thinking about through kind of what you were just saying, Josh, is that like it, it is kind of to go back to the sports analogy. I'm not as big sports guys, but like the defensive offensive, like that level of like knowledge is important. Um, but it's like, as a customer success team, you want to be as um, proactive as possible and as reactive as little as possible. Um, like there's going to be stuff that you have to do that's going to be reactive, right? Customers asking to cancel, et cetera. Okay, I got to do something. Um, but that's a, maybe where that analogy kind of breaks down because it's like, yeah, we might be on the, the defense keeping the customer with us. But at the same point, we should be focusing most of our energies on getting that proactive stuff, uh, quantifying those leads, upselling, whatever cross-selling, like we should be gathering that information and then be able to report on it, right? Yeah. metrics right tactically like hey we've sent marketing we've sent sales we've sent x amount of over to you guys that's a way to kind of quantify maybe some of those kind of enigmatic like <laughs> how is success doing it's like well yeah. here's how we're doing we can just tie a quick a quick and easy simple like this is what we are producing on um that matters to not our team but to other teams right like right. other teams don't care about great conversations you're having i mean they do but like they care about like what does that mean for upset? What does that mean for marketing? What does that mean for advocacy? What does that mean for uh, better reviews on, you know, a third party, you know, platform? Like, so as much as you can kind of align some of your metrics that you're sharing with those internal teams to those things of like, these are, these are how we are quantifying good things for the whole company. You're going to get the company to buy in on like, okay, cool. They're doing stuff that matters to all of us. Like, cause it's going to matter to every department in different ways. Um, it's kind of a way to just say, yeah, like, there's our standard and we're doing tons of other things, right? Like there's tons of things that are just beneficial for our customers mm -hmm. and that are actually growing those relationships um, more. And uh, so those are things that I'm kind of thinking through right now of like, how do we get better at like those tactical, like what, what is it that they're looking for? What are those numbers? What are those metrics? I don't know if our sales team knows or our, our account management team knows how many customers they'd like to see from the success team. Okay, so we don't how do we, I'm how do we measure success? Right. And that's absolutely right, Nathan. So yep. sales teams always have those, the, the, the charts, the, the big graphs that show like what their numbers are per quarter, they're forecasting, they're able to see what their pipeline looks like. 
who here has a customer success dashboard that you're looking at that shows your progress with your accounts and potential wins or potential risk mitigation things or activities? Anybody raise your hand? You got it? it okay. Yeah, we do it through Gainsight. Um, we recently, thankfully, started investing in uh, the CSM operations org. So we're starting to build out dashboards and KPIs and metrics that are trackable and are attached to our bonus compensation plan. Um, So preliminary stages, the data is still a little funky. We'll get better over time, but we are making progress there. Right on. We use uh, Microsoft BI analytics apart from Gainsight as well. Gainsight is really good at uh, getting granular, but sometimes we need that thousand foot overview. And so I can look and I can immediately pivot from my Microsoft BI chart on how many strategic alignments I've had, how many EBRs I've had, when the last updates were, just because the interface sometimes in Gainsight is really um, restrictive to say the least. So that's been an yeah, What's that? Gainsight is, Gainsight is great. I was a uh, CSM ops uh, person for a little while and helped implement it. It's a beast, but it does provide a lot of really good data. And Katya, to your point, um, having the right investment in that is like incredibly important. Um, cool. Josh, did you want to add something else to this? I, yeah, I saw you go off mute for a little bit. I wanted to make sure I wasn't over, over uh, steamrolling you a little bit here. All right, good. James, I think back to you. Anything else you want to bring up? Awesome. Uh, no, gr- great discussion today. Um, I think we had a conversation in one of the Thursday sessions recently, and it was, you know, actually measuring success for our customers' desired outcomes. So, you know, I raised my hand because I, at SciSense, I could track every single renewal, uh, all the up and the down and the churn and the activities. There was uh, 650 accounts in my segment across six CSMs. So having a bird's eye view on that was was really ideal but we weren't tracking their their outcomes we were incredibly focused on our outcomes at a a sort of a i guess a pivotal moment in in my career recently where it was like i need to stop focusing on my renewal number and my expansion number as a csm understand what is my customer trying to do are they trying to uh increase their their reach across more merchants do they want to increase average merchant spend do they want merchants to onboard to their platform faster once we understood that we removed our focus and and sort of over overwhelming desire to hit our own numbers we focused on theirs and we hit their desired outcomes via appropriate experience on our end and we just started we, we started seeing no churn i haven't seen we haven't seen any attrition uh since mid last year at phoenix which is which is really great to see um but how do you track that you have to ask the customer give me three things you want to hit and every quarter we ask how we're doing against that it's manual we're no we've not figured out the best way to track it yet but at least we can say we're hitting this. We're not hitting this. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, this was a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Josh, for hosting. Great topic. Uh, definitely think this is something we could expand on and drive next uh, further. More, lots of great people to hear from. Um, you know, let's think about everyone. Think about one thing we can take away from today and maybe put into our into our workflows uh, so that we don't kind of lose attraction from these sessions and we can uh, learn from our esteemed peers and colleagues. Uh, Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Jeff, great to see you back here, man. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.